Today on Off the Cuff Declassified, Kurt Schlichter joins me to wrap up the week. We have a lot to cover. Criminologist Dr. Adam Dobert and I discuss how California going weak on criminals in 2014 is contributing to a rise in crime today. And fellow rebel, the Hollywood conservative Amanda Head is with me to discuss the backlash, I mean the disdain, Hollywood and professional sports has for conservatives. So much went on this week. Actually, yesterday, things were happening about every five minutes. Are here to help me unpack this crazy week. Hello, Rebel. Trial lawyer extraordinaire, U.S. Army Colonel retired, or Colonel U.S. Army retired, Kurt Schlichter. Kurt, I don't know if you watched the rally, the Trump rally in Duluth a couple of nights ago. Duluth, Minnesota. Trump was on fire. This is a blue-collar town. It looked like, it looked like a Rolling Stones concert. People were cheering, jumping out of their seats, bouncing up and down, standing ovation. All that was missing were the lights were down and people were waving their lighters around. I mean, how, is, how play, does this guy lose? Play, play free bird. Play free bird. How does he lose in 2020? It can't, I don't see it happening. That's Wisconsin. I miss Minnesota, rather. There's this giant appetite out there, John, for somebody who wants to stand up for normal Americans, right. uh, which leads me into my book, Militant Normals, which you should go, everybody should go buy, and you still owe me a blurb on. Anyway. You got a blurb whenever you want. Wait, is the book out already? Uh, no, it's not no. out until October. Exactly. Rumor has it, rumor has it, that certain select people are helping you vet the cover for your book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk offline. Anyway, look, there's this huge appetite for someone who stands up for us. And and, and when you get idiots like Peter Fonda or Wanda Sykes or all the rest of them, you know, coming on there and attacking, you know, the guy who's the symbol. He's become the he's become the avatar of normal Americans, which is bizarre. Even he pointed out even Trump pointed out last night, you know, I'm this billionaire, man. And, you know, you guys are all responding to me. But facts are facts. So when they're attacking Trump. Normal people are seeing it, and normal people are tired of it. You know what's interesting? Everybody's telling us, everybody's telling us, well, the conversation in living rooms and at kitchen tables and in diners and water coolers is immigration, immigration, immigration. What but, conversation? <laughs> but you talk to normal Americans, and it's the economy, right? So the way I my takeaway from the other night in Duluth over in Minnesota was Trump asked America, trust me on the economy. They trusted him, and you know what? The bet paid off, right? He delivered. You, you weren't a Trump guy. You're a convert. I was not. You're a convert. I, I, I was a convert. By yeah. Facts. The best, the best but paid here, off. So, so he's yeah. selling them again. Trust me again. And they're saying, what do we got to lose? We never, you know, he's the first guy who's paid off. He's the first bet who's paid off. He's the, he, he, he's the guy who actually comes through. I mean, you look at the, you look at the normal Republicans and they're just this, they're just not talking to or about or taking the side of normal folks. Right. You know, people out there are hurting. They're under fire from the culture. And what does, you know, Jeb, exclamation point, have to say? Well, you're being uppity. Oh, my. Where? Clutch, clutch, clutch. He, he, he doesn't provide an answer. He's just another voice going, tisk, tisk, tisk. You're right. terrible. Uh, we know I mean, we're not you terrible. Know, go, go to Jeb for a second, right? Because Ugh. his pettiness, his pettiness is now costing his son. So his son, uh, George P. Bush, was running, is running for Texas Land Commissioner. Yeah. Pretty, pretty significant statewide office in Texas. That's a big very, job very, there. Big job, very powerful, very similar to the Ag Commissioner here in Florida. People don't think much of the Agriculture Commissioner. Well, in a state like Florida, it's a cabinet-level appointee lateral to the Attorney General. Uh, no, I'm sorry, it's elected, not an appointee. My mistake, it's an elected cabinet position lateral to the Attorney General. Well, Don Jr., despite the dads not getting along, Donald Trump Jr. likes George P. Bush. Apparently, he's a very likable guy. He was going to yeah. go, and he was going to campaign for him. But he's pulled out because Jeb Bush won't stop attacking Donald Trump. So this guy is so unhinged that he's now putting his own personal pettiness in front of his son's political career. How petty are these guys? Right. I mean, they're just, they are just the worst. And, and and they get more liberal every day. So now suddenly the true conservative position is catch and release. When did that happen? When did when did it happen that you don't separate criminals from their children? I I, I was unaware that this was a problem until yeah, a you know, last week. It's a thing now. 
Well, but, it's know, a thing. But Pelosi's is is really doing what I think is an incredible job. I hope Nancy Pelosi lives to be 162 years old and stays in office as long. At le- yeah, at least yeah. five more years. Yeah, because she, exactly. <laughs> because she's showing us exactly what the Democratic Party's about. It was never about keeping families together. This is about open borders. Open yeah. borders, zero sovereignty for the United States of America. It really, exactly. It? Yeah. I, I, look, I'm out there with normal people occasionally, even though I'm a blue state trial lawyer. Hey, oh. And um, no one is talking about this. I mean, I was out, you know, whether it's at the gym, which, yes, I do go to, uh, or it is, uh, you know, a suburban party like I was at, you know, a right. kid's graduation party yesterday. And I'm with a bunch of suburban moms and dads. No one was talking about immigration. I don't mean no. a few people. I don't mean a few hints about it. I mean zero. No one. Nothing. This is a Washington, D.C. firestorm. And all the cowardly Republicans who have you know, infested uh, Washington and who think Washington has its fingers on the pulse of America, when in reality, Washington has its fingers on the pulse of Washington, uh, they're all freaking out. And out here, we're like, you know, people are to the extent they're thinking about it at all, and they're not really talking about it, but they're they're like, okay, well, yeah, if, if I were arrested for a crime, I, I'd be separated from my kids too. I don't understand. I assume my kids would be upset too. Why do foreigners get special rights? I don't. I don't understand. You know, Kurt, uh, last week I had a meeting in Miami, a, a dinner meeting with some old friends of mine, and we were in an area in Miami, Brickell. I used to live there. It's downtown Miami, the banking district. Nice area. I mean, very expensive. Still large South American population, large Cuban population in Miami. And I was in a restaurant I used to go to all the time. We had a table at the bar area. And there was a large table of Cuban-American guy, all born in Miami, but they had the Miami accent. And, and a couple of people at the bar ran into uh, my old neighbor and the Cuban guy. And there was one guy at the bar. Trump comes on, an older guy, and he, you know, gives Trump a smirk. And he goes, oh, you know, F this guy, whatever. And Every Cuban in the place lost their minds on this guy. They're like, you don't talk about the president like that. We came here legally. He's doing it right. We look at our portfolios. We're doing it. I mean, his support among the Hispanic community in South Florida, if I'm using that anecdotal incident as a gauge, is skyrocketing. Oh, I, I uh, immigrate. Your wife, you know, your wife is Cuban. Well, look, my, the, the in-laws were yeah. here a couple weeks yeah. ago and they were not big Trump guys because they're very religious and they're very decent people. And, you know, let's face it. Sometimes Trump shocks the squares. Yep. But at the end of the day, you know, Trump's not perfect, but he's on our side. He doesn't hate us. You look at these people, you know, you, you ice guys are the, the new Gestapo. I know. Well, exactly. you know, when, when a guy like you or me looks at a nice guy, I think that could be me. I wore a uniform. I carried that's a gun. Right, that's right. I, that's I, right. I did that. You did too. And I think a lot of folks identify with those. And when you start saying a guy who's just enforcing the law that our legislature passed, you know, we, we do have a, a, a Democratic Republic. Uh, and then you're calling him a Nazi for that? I, I, you know, I don't think it resonates. I mean, it may do real well on college campuses or CNN studios, but among normal people, they're like, wait a minute, I, I don't get it. You know, you talk about, you know, this Corey Lewandowski thing. This is how bad it is. It got me defending Corey freaking Lewandowski. But, you know, when he went, wah, wah, yeah. uh, uh, you know, the Down syndrome kid being brought in and he's been separated, wah, wah, you know, just kind of contemptuous. And, and, all I could think of was, well, you know, I'm no fan of Corey. I got my own beefs with that guy. But my big only question is, what kind of person brings a kid with Down syndrome across a border through a desert? Through a desert with rattlesnakes yeah, I mean, and coyotes. Yeah. Real coyotes I mean, the, and smuggling coyotes. No, yeah, what the hell are you thinking? I, I just, yeah, I'm not blaming the cops for <laughs> doing their job. No. And, no. And, and, you know, what am I supposed to do? Let him, let him go because... He's a kid. Then doesn't that kind of rewarding? You know, if you if you send your kid to your to his room for I don't know throwing a ball through the window, is, is that, are are you separating children from their families? Are you caging them? Oh, you know, so, I mean, so, I don't understand. It's so, Kurt, it's so ridiculous. It's, I, I yeah. talked about it. You know how many kids? I mean, I don't say this in a cavalier way. I don't say it. I don't say this lightly. You know how many times I was forced when I was with NYPD to remove kids from their parents and bring Very them to often. DCFS. 
I mean, yeah, I can't tell you every every domestic you walk into, that is a reality. If both parents are going to jail, you don't know what you're walking in. You don't know what you're walking through the door to see. You got to bring this. It's heartbreaking. Nobody wants to do it, but nobody it's wants the job. to do that. But but what it's do you? What, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Well, you know, you beat the hell out of your wife, but yeah. you know. Little Susie seems sad. You can stay here. God knows what you'll do to little Susie. Or next, yeah, or you got you got to take both parents. You got to take both parents to jail. Hey, little Susie, here's a bottle of water and a Happy Meal. You'll be okay. They'll be back in a couple. Yeah, of days. it'll be cool. I'll, I'll send somebody around. Yeah, I'll send somebody around. Just watch. Got somebody watch you can call. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, here you go, kid. Here's a bottle of water and, and a Camelback. Nicaragua's that way, <laughs> about three thousand miles. See you yeah, later. Yeah, I. I you know, and, it's and ridiculous. I, I think Trump and I when I first heard he signed the executive order, I wasn't thrilled. I was like, uh, you know, I don't know if backing down is the right thing. But he really didn't back down. He said, OK, we'll just keep them together. But we're not catching and releasing. We're oh, just not look. doing that. Right. Uh, take me on. And then then, of course, they kept freaking out. And, you know, normal people were like, OK, well, they're going to keep them together now. OK, well, why is this still a problem? Uh, I mean, you know, is the argument that they should be released because they brought their kid I, I with them? I want to go there in a second, Kurt, but talk to me about that. Put on attorney Kurt Schlichter's hat right now. Does this EO hold up in federal court or does it get tossed out because it doesn't comport with the 93 Supreme Court decision, the 97 law? Well, I think it will, uh, I think the Ninth Circuit will likely do whatever it perceives as most damaging to Trump. The problem is, I don't think there's an answer that damages Trump. No, right. Because if they, if they, if they, if they the, say yeah. you have to catch and release, well, then Trump goes to Congress and says, the court is telling me I have to catch and release, change the law. That's right. That's right. And, and, and then suddenly the Republicans have to stop talking about amnesty and start talking about enforcement, which will make them all cry. Well, but, the, the other problem here in all this is Mitch McConnell. It appears he wants to do nothing. This cloture is nonsense. Trump is right. Well, Torah's nonsense. There's no provision for it in the U.S. Constitution. It's yeah. ludicrous. To say, and let me, we both know this. If the Dems got back to Senate, Clotor would disappear. It'd be gone. Gone. Gone the first day. No, I, first day. I, I think he's trying to preserve a Senate that no longer exists. That's, that's a big never-Trump thing. Now, now I, I happen to think that uh, Mitch McConnell is the best we can practically do at this stage. And yeah, he has who, done who, a lot of good things. We're going to get Rubio, Lindsey Graham. I mean, you know, who else are but, we going to get? Yeah, I mean, but the, the, the simple fact is he's got to contend with a lot of people who want to pretend that the situation has not changed. This is why, you know, I tweet constantly. And I know you're a huge fan of my Twitter account because you're awesome. Pretty good Twitter uh, account. And I'll admit, I give credit where due, Schlichter. OK, I, I, I see a lot of liberal statements and I'll take the liberal statement that tells us how terrible and awful we are, what horrible things should happen. And it's, liberals hate you. And I'll send yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. and I, 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 I get woke. Get woke. When somebody's telling you he hates you and wants bad things to happen to you, you should probably listen and act accordingly. It doesn't mean you have to be hostile or vicious or obnoxious or violent or anything. But you need to you need to accept the reality that you're faced with, which is there is a significant number of people on the left who actually hate you and want bad things to happen to you. Everything from losing your well, job well, let me, let to being you, murdered. Kurt, as we're doing this interview, there is a story broke a little bit before. Not a story, but a statement. Cynthia Nixon whose claim to fame is she was on Sex and the City, told The View yesterday, the yipping harpies at The View, Ugh. that we need to abolish ICE. We need to abolish the Department of uh, the, the, uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, the division under the Department of Homeland Security. He said, quote, they have strayed so far from the interests of the American people and the interests of humanity. We need to abolish it. These okay. people are Well, in that's an interesting perspective. Look, they all they have to do is be sane, and they can't even pull that off. <laughs> now, I mean, you know, people hear something like that, and you're like, oh, man, you know, I, I can see soft-hearted kind of people. Well, you know, the kids are really sad. Maybe there's a way we can keep with their families. And then you start hearing, well, we shouldn't have any border border patrol at all. And right. people are like, well, I, that's not what I'm saying. I, I just, you know, I'm trying to ameliorate the damage that these people are caused by their own actions. And that's not what I, uh. no, but this is why I want Nancy Pelosi around because she's admitting oh, yeah. that the left wants open borders. They want complete anarchy. They want to flood this nation with illegals. Look, you say it all the time. I say it. They want us dead. And when you read yeah. tweets from a guy like Peter Fonda yeah. calling for the schools where ICE agents kids attend 
to be surrounded by people so the kids are terrorized and calling for Baron Trump to be ripped from his mother's arms, thrown into a cage, to be sexually assaulted by a pedophile. He's a children, mind you. Baron Trump is 12 years old. What other conclusion can we draw other than well, the left hates us and wants us to die? Well, there was a, a, a tubby bag of goo, um, never Trumper, who uh, basically mocked, tried to mock me the other day. Does, does her name rhyme with Hannah Mavaro? Uh, no, oh. it wasn't that one. It was a different oh. one. It was uh, ah. uh, another of the cruise shilling types. Oh, I remember this that. Guy, I remember that guy. Yeah, and, and and this guy, you know, he's he, cursed just a lunatic. And I'm and I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, I understand that no one will ever love you and that no woman has ever <laughs> wanted you, and I understand that you have no power because your your philosophy of uh, abject submission has been rejected by the American people. But can't you freaking read? I mean, can't you read what they're yeah. literally saying? Are you such a bad gaslighter that you can't you you can't even explain? You know the tweet where they literally say, "I think oh, I think all conservatives should be hanged." And he's like, "Why are you getting so upset?" I don't know. Maybe I don't want to be hanged. Right, right, right. 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 Like, like, how well, dare I, we yeah, not want to die? How yeah, dare I mean, we? Look, the never Trumpers yeah. are are the guys hoping the crocodile eats them last. Maybe if they're obedient, submissive enough, maybe if they humiliate themselves enough uh, by dancing and capering for uh, pennies tossed to them by their liberal, laughing liberal masters, uh, maybe they'll get to keep their crappy little fake positions and power for just a little while longer. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm a man and I don't roll that way. I, look, I think you're right, though. I think that's exactly what it is. They, they, they are, they're craving for the relevance they used to have. And now they think that if they grovel, if they grovel to their establishment masters, maybe, just maybe, this ridiculous whining will somehow, somehow unseat Trump and they'll be back in a position of power. They can relive their glory days. These yeah, people yeah. don't understand this guy's going to be in office until 2025. I, I, I think he's going to do very, very well. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to do okay at the uh, midterms. You know, I just the perspective shift. I don't think we from, lose the house, in, Kurt. I don't think we lose the house. I, I don't think we do either. If we do, if we don't lose the house, and uh, if we expand our Senate uh, rate or uh, uh, margin, uh, you know, a normal organization would do an in-depth rethink of itself. They do, they do, you know, a personal inventory, right? and try and figure out what's going on. The liberals have gotten to the point by, by embracing their hatred of normal Americans that they really can't do that. Because to do that is a concession that everything they said is wrong and that these people may have a point. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it is. Now to switch gears, we're running out of time, but last night, some sad news, we knew this was coming. Charles Krauthammer passed away. Now I didn't always agree Oh, with... I didn't know that. Yes, I didn't always agree with things Krauthammer said. However, I respected the guy immensely because oh, yeah. he was one of the few pros out there who did, I mean, he's a brilliant man, right? He was a JDMD, yes. an absolutely brilliant, brilliant man, but he did his homework. He was so well-versed on every issue. He was, he, he went in so deep with his research that you always learn something watching the guy. I didn't have to agree with him. He was a never Trumper, no. a little bit of a never Trumper, but I'll tell you something, you got smarter every single time you watched the guy. Yeah, the, the interesting guy is he, he, he was a guy who didn't prefer Trump, but he understood why people That's would, right. and he didn't look down on them. He didn't demean it. them. He didn't demean them. He tried Americans. to understand it like a, like, yep. a, like a good psychologist does. He That's tried right. to understand what, what is the thought process. You know, it's not, it's not so simple, you know, this... This, simple, this idea that everything can be explained simply because you just totally lack character. That's why you like Trump. Right. Well, if you're saying half of America lacks character, that puts you that 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 has implications for your future policy choices. That's right. Uh, and it's he just didn't he wanted to know why people did. He didn't have to agree with them, you but know, he you wanted know to understand why. Having done this now for enough years, where I was kind of burnt out. So I only watch news as a matter of research, right, for my own shows. Yeah. He was one of the few that I watched and enjoyed. I, I really, truly yeah. enjoyed his analysis and commentary because I, I, it was a learning experience, a learning curve for me, uh, experience for me, 
with him, and then you realized how steep the learning curve of research was when you watched a guy like that, who was one of the best out there. He really, really yeah. was. So it's a loss. It's really a loss to our business, right? Political it is. Content. And and, and he, he was a guy with personal class. Now, my wife and I went to one of these events, and he was the guest of honor. Uh, and, you know, they, they'll sometimes let you have photographs with them. And somebody had invited me, and I was entitled to a free photograph with him. I usually go, eh. I wanted to go up and shake his hand. Sure. Um, you know, I did go up, and I and you know, he's he's been with 60, 70 people fawning over him, just on how great he was. It's easy to get tired. You know, obviously he had physical limitations, but he was just as as pleasant and as classy as could be. A gentleman, yeah, uh, a, a real gentleman. And yeah. you're just you, you know, just uh, just a class act. And I've never heard anyone say anything bad about him. No, uh, never. Other than stupid never. liberals wishing him death. Right. Um. You know, I uh, and no, he was I'm, never. I'm he, sorry, he, he's passed away. Yeah, me too. He treated everybody in the industry with with dignity, with respect, and he really was one of the best, one of the best out there. Anyway, Schlichter, we ran out of time. You have a great weekend, my friend. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks. All right, Look forward buddy. to it. You know, I often talk on the show about the broken windows policing strategy, things we did back when I was a cop in New York in the 1990s and how attacking the little things led to the bigger crimes being reduced, being mitigated. Well, it's unfortunately, I should say it unfortunately seems to be the case, that liberals around the country, the left, are starting to reverse that policy. Now an associated, associated press story, thefts rise after California reduces Criminal penalties. Here to unpack this with me is our good friend, Dr. Adam Dobrin, a criminology professor and all-around knowledgeable guy on these issues. Adam, I'm reading this story. It's Associated Press story out of Sacramento, California. It says, California voters' decision to reduce penalties for drug and property crimes in 2014 contributed to a jump in car burglaries, shoplifting, and other theft, researchers said. Larcenies increased about 9% by 2016 for about 135 uh, more thefts per 100,000 residents than when the tougher penalties had been around. There, this to me, I mean, you're the scientist, you're the data scientist, but this to me sure seems like correlation, is it not? Seems like it to me. And I, I often warn people when you have, uh, I, I mostly look at homicide data. When you have a small increase, you're going to have a huge percentage increase. This is the inverse. Uh, that rate increase is huge, but the percentage is seems like a pretty. When you hear oh nine percent, that's not much, but one hundred thirty five per hundred thousand, that's a huge increase. That means they just have a pretty high baseline to start with. Yeah, um, I, mean, I mean here's here's a number that it says San Francisco alone recorded more than thirty thousand auto burglaries last year. That would be twenty seventeen. I mean that just seems to me to be. And those are those are the recorded ones. How many people in San Francisco don't even call the police to let them know about those? Yeah, that's a good, good point. What's the point? So this says Proposition 47 lowered criminal sentences for drug possession, theft, shoplifting, identity theft, receiving stolen property, writing bad checks, and check forgery from felonies that can bring prison time to misdemeanors that often bring minimal, if any, jail time. While researchers link the measure more to theft, they found that it did not lend or lead to the state's increase in violent crime. But prime, violent crime spiked 13% after Prop 47 passed. But researchers again said the trend started earlier and was mainly because of unrelated changes in crime reporting by the FBI and the LAPD. But what do you think? Are these researchers far left state researchers or does that claim hold water? Did Proposition 47, which reduced the penalties on misdemeanor, uh, larceny, theft type crimes, have no direct effect on violent crime, or did it? Uh, it's 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 hard to say. You know, I don't want to put my reputation as a criminologist on the line here and say that's exactly what happened. But uh, you know, any kind of measurement change, if the FBI is measuring things differently in California, or if LAPD is reporting things differently, that's going to have a change. But city after city, history has shown clearly that when you don't enforce these minor quality of life crimes, eventually you're going to have an increase in other types of crimes either, too. So if the violent crime that went up was not a direct uh, correlation, a response to these crimes going up because of the, the reduced penalties, uh, it's going to happen. So uh, just 
let's just be patient and it's going to go up. I mean, when you, when you look at cities like San Francisco and just the epidemic of just overt drug use and uh, vagrancy and just filth in the street, that eventually is going to create violent crimes. It's, okay. If it hasn't yet, it will. So they go into sex crimes as well. They say the FBI broadened its definition of sexual crimes in 2014, while the LAPD improved its crime, its crime reporting after previously underreporting violent crimes. If it weren't for those changes, researchers found California's violent crime rate would have increased 4.7% from 2014 to 2016. So what are they saying? That the increase in violent crime would have been less had the FBI and the LAPD not modified its reporting mechanisms? Well, those were significant changes, the change in the sex crimes. But how many of the, the, the increase of that percentage of violent crimes was all sex crime? With the FBI change in the definition, they had a very, very constricted definition of sex crimes until 2014. It was, it was laughably out of date. Well, what it, it was said, it? Let, let's, let's get into the weeds a little bit on that. So real, what real was the definition? What is it today? It, it basically said in a sex crime, only males could be offenders and only females could be victims. That's That was sort of the biggest change that they had. And then there are some more specific activities that were included, uh, that, that were excluded. Um, but now um, they include a male can be a, a victim, which is a huge change. Until 2014, by F, FBI uh, definition, males could not be the victim of rape, which wow. is just silly. And they said only males could be the offenders of rape, which is also silly. Uh, but what they also included was some measure of consent that um, it, 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 it includes now people who are incapable of giving consent, uh, people with less developed mental capacities, uh, and also based on intoxication, that, that consent is a, a key part of this definition. So it's, it's, it's a modern, modernized real definition. The previous definition basically came out of medieval England, so it's uh, undercounting um, all the crimes that were out, all the sex crimes. That gotcha. So, so that expanded definition of what, for example, a sex crime was on the uh, on the part of the FBI is partially why we're seeing what is this an eight point three percent increase over what would have been a four point seven. Correct. But those aren't all sex crimes that are are responsible for that increase. Right. Right. Was there any expansion in definition of violent crimes? Did they add anything that wasn't previously there, or? But this had been the LAPD's reporting mechanism where maybe they did that. Not not since 2014. I mean, there there have been changes, some significant changes. 1968, they changed, they broadened the definition of aggravated assault. I mean, I, I'm going to have to go through one of the books I wrote to really look at the in the weeds for the, the, the definitions. 1990, no, that was NCDS, never mind. Uh, sorry. Uh, but there, there have been some changes over time, but not that was the biggest one recently. Uh, you can exclude in hate crime, they've changed, expanded the definition, but that's not uh, relevant here either. Okay, so this then might, might indicate, I don't want to put your reputation as a criminologist on the line, but this might indicate something troubling, that there's another reason for the rise in crime. It's not expanded definitions by the FBI. I would say so. Wow, okay, so that's but not a good another trend. caveat. Crime has been historically low for just 10, 15 years, and so it's going to naturally, it has to go up. But I've been saying that now for 10 or 15 years. Crime has to go up, it has to go up, it has to go up, and then it hasn't been going up. So this is, this is the early part of the reversal. Now, when we see crime going up now in America, it's primarily hitting a handful of cities. It's not the whole country right. where we're having this inverse. And so there are, you know, a half a dozen cities where violent crime, and again, what we're seeing in, in these California cities isn't violent crime, the huge change. It's, uh, you know, it's these quality of life, the, the drugs, the, the vandalism, things like that, the California change. Now, the big problem, and I think that article that you're, you're quoting uh, alludes to, is this is going to have a longer term effect that the politicians think they're being nice to the criminals by being less severe, by changing felonies to misdemeanors. In the long run, this is going to backfire because if these people were charged and convicted of felonies, that means they generally go to prison and they would get treatment for their drug problem. Now that they're getting misdemeanors that aren't being charged, aren't being prosecuted, they're not getting treatment. And so this is going to exacerbate the drug problem. That's sort of the underlying uh, root of all of this. Okay, so let me let's dig into this a little bit more. They're saying that the ballot measure led to the lowest arrest rate in state history 
in 2015 in California state history, as experts said police frequently ignored crimes that brought minimal punishment. So does that mean that the police were saying, well, if the political powers that be aren't going to send these people to jail, then we're not even going to waste our time arresting for these crimes. Absolutely. And given the political climate in that era, that you see a couple of high profile events where police were going after misdemeanor offenders that blew up. And then uh, the police got in a tremendous amount of negative press and you know, actually life-threatening situations, then what's the point? Why put your career or even your life at risk sure. to enforce a crime that the system isn't going to follow through on? I'm going to go through this pretty much paragraph by paragraph, line by line, because it's very interesting. Jail bookings in 12 sample counties, I assume California counties, dropped about 8%, driven by a reduction in bookings for Proposition 47 crimes. Well, that seems pretty reasonable while site and releases increased, researchers found. So they were arresting less people, releasing more people. This has to eventually lead to a significant increase in crime. I mean, how, how could it not? If bad guys know they're gonna get away with crimes, why wouldn't they keep committing them? If you're an idealistic, somewhat naive, hopeful person, you're gonna think, well, this person's not gonna be over-involved by the system. The system's not going to create this label of criminal, so they're not going to self-identify as criminal, so then they're going to become less criminal. That's how you justify it to yourself. Well, they kind of say this here, okay, in the next line. Offenders convicted of those crimes, Prop 47 crimes, were about 3% less likely to be convicted of a new crime within two years. But the researchers said it's not clear if that was because they didn't actually reoffend, commit new crimes, or because they were less likely to be arrested and prosecuted because of the lower penalties, thereby keeping authorities in the dark, dark about whether or not they were committing new crimes. I, I, added, I added the end of that, but that's yeah. essentially the summary. Yeah, if, if, if police aren't catching and prosecuting, then that's going to lower recidivism right there. Well, because you don't, there's, no, there's no reporting up to exactly. the FBI, up to the state, so you don't know. And again, yeah. like I said earlier, the, the public is aware of this as well. So they're not going to be calling the police. If you get your car window broken and stuff stolen out of your front seat of your automobile, what's the point in calling the police? Right, right. They're not going to do anything. They're going to tell you to call your insurance company. And let's face it, hell, even in places where they don't do this, the cops aren't out there looking for the guy that broke into a car. No, but you couple that with sort of the, the, the mentality of the left right now that cops aren't the good guys. And you know, the less interaction you have with the police, the better. It's like a perfect storm of fomenting more and more petty crime because the, the public's not going to call the police, but the criminals know that, that even if they are caught, which is a, a low probability event anyway, um, even, in, even in the cities that do prosecute, let me just, let's all be aware of this. When, when, when crimes are committed, the actual probability of getting caught by the police, very, very, very low that, um, the arrest statistics, and I'm going to combine them. I'm not going to just real simple for the index offenses, murder, rape, robbery, aggravated assault, larceny, burglary uh and arson um it's around 10 to 15 uh, percent of, of perpetrators that are apprehended after the fact no no of crimes that are reported to the police those index offenses oh, hold on go back those index offenses are, are is that is that number you gave me the 10 to 15 percent of people caught for those index offenses or are those of, uh, all the index again. Of all, all of all the index offenses that are reported to or discovered by the police. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so the rape robbery, all the of the index offenses that are reported to law enforcement, the arrest rate's only around 10, 15%. Correct. And so gotcha. when you start looking at these petty crimes, first of all, very, very few of them actually get reported to the police. And the lower the seriousness of the crime, the lower the probability of an arrest to start. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I worked in the Bronx. You know, we know people that work in busy areas. Somebody broke into a car. We were filing a report and sending it over to whatever investigative unit handled that. Nobody ever expected it to be solved. We all knew we were generating that report as a matter of crime stats. The person was going to go to their insurance company. They're going to get the window fixed. And everybody was going to go on their merry way. The likelihood of that crime. Detectives weren't stopping what they were doing. Dusting these windows for fingerprints to hunt down the guy who broke the window. Yeah. And, and the reality is a lot. We see this after city after city after city in the past 15 years or so is a lot of cities are overtly doctoring those crime statistics so that they don't look like they're high crime cities. Well, so, we see that everywhere where they where they sort of cook their crime books, right? By in, discouraging residents from taking a minor thing a little bit too far, especially exactly. the quality of life crimes. 
Right. And so I think you couple that with everything that's going on in these California cities. When they say crime went up, whatever, 9 or 12 percent, it's most likely uh, more than that. That's just based on you know, very limited data. OK, so let's go back to something you spoke about a little while ago from this AP piece. And this piece is only from about uh, from last week. It's very recent. Reduced penalties mean fewer drug addicts now seem to be getting treatment than are stealing to support their habit. And they put that in quotes are stealing to support their habit. That St. Louis County, St. Louis Obispo County Chief Probation Officer, Jim Salio, president of the Chief Probation Officers of California. Explain that for us, Adam. Well, I think it's pretty straightforward. It's that when you have drug addicts who are committing these crimes to give money to support their drug habits, then unless they get some form of treatment, they're just gonna continue on this, this self-destructive path and it's gonna get worse and worse and worse. And, Last year, according to the CDC, we had almost 69,000 uh, drug overdose deaths in this country. And one of the, the things that does seem to work, and you know, it's, rehab programs aren't the greatest things in the world, but some of these drug treatment programs in correctional facilities do have a pretty good track record. And so the, by being nice to these people, by not arresting them from, from dropping it to a felony to a misdemeanor status, that even if they are arrested, they're not going to be in a facility. Yeah, that has you're, encur you're encouraging the addict to go steal more to support their habit. You're it's, basically it's two giving them permission. You're, you're doing that, but then also you're not creating an opportunity as pejorative as, as the opportunity is. They're behind bars, but that is a forced treatment model where you have a, it's not a perfect success. There's no such thing as perfect success, but you have some measures of success that these people get treatment for their, their, their drug problems. Look, some, something's better than nothing, right? I mean, even if it's the most basic treatment in a county jail, some treatment is better than no treatment. It's Absolutely. Better than and having them on the street, being able to rip people off for drug money. And even the eight months or so they're in jail, that's eight months that they're, they're, they're not doing drugs and they're getting clean and right. they're not overdosing. So you just save their lives for at least eight months by, by incarcerating them. That, that, People don't like it when you when you put it that way that, that they're safer in prison than they're on the street. No, they are safer in they, prison they are. than on the street. I mean, but I, God the knows. absence of yeah. treatment. This is this the whole pe the the people who promote the idea of reducing these crimes from felonies to misdemeanors and then not even enforcing those misdemeanors are the same people who are strong into treatment and rehabilitation programs. So what they're doing is they're 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 killing their uh, their clientele in in, in stream. They're where do they get people from and so it's 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 allowing these um uh addictions to get worse and worse and worse and well, again it, 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 it seems like dying. it seems like the uh, uh california police chiefs association appears to agree with us morgan hill california police chief david swing who's president of that group said researchers findings are quote consistent with what police chiefs across the state have seen since 2014 and they show the need for a proposed initiative intended for this November's ballot that would partially roll back the 2014 law. That, that initiative floated by the Chiefs Police, uh, the uh, California Police Chiefs Association would allow prison sentences for serial thieves, reinstate DNA collections from those convicted of crimes where penalties were reduced, and bar the earlier release of criminals convicted of additional violent, serious, and sexual crime. Now, seems like common sense, what, what blows my mind is that all of these things were eradicated in Proposition 47. Now, it's been a while since I've looked into this, but California has a very, very strict uh, three strikes or even two strikes um, policy. And they've had massive prison overcrowding in California. It, this may have been a sort of backdoor approach to reduce prison crowding without presenting it that way, presenting it as a way to be nice and, you know, these aren't bad people. Right. But the reality is uh, when, when these are felonies, uh, even if California's got some crazy stories of these low, low-end felonies where people are now being sentenced to prison, or not now, for the past 15 years or so, for 25 to life because it's their second or third strike. And so... Wow. So, so it does but seem... They're permissive on some things, but then they're draconian on others? Right, and each way it's going to backfire. That that sooner or later you either get everybody in prison or you got to start flushing people out, and it just it just seems like it's not a well integrated system. So the basic takeaway from this is that in addition to pretty much everything else, the government intel in California touches, they're they're screwing up law enforcement as well. <laughs>
there you go. You got to protect your, your reputation as a criminologist. As always, Adam, an absolute pleasure. There's, Doctor, a, there's Doctor a criminology Adam conference Gold. in California next. Uh, the, the big one is in the fall, and I will not be going. No, I don't, I don't think the state of California is hiring you anytime soon, not with your political views. Dr. Adam Dobrin, criminology professor, my good friend, always my friend. A pleasure. We'll be speaking soon. So much going on this week, but I really wanted to focus on the backlash by Hollywood and professional sports against conservatives. I mean, they really do hate us. They basically don't want us to buy tickets to their movies. They don't want us to patronize what they produce. And now pro sports is creeping in as former NBA legend, Boston Celtics legend, Kevin McHale, was seen at the Trump rally in Duluth, Minnesota a couple of nights ago. There are people actually calling for McHale to be ostracized from basketball the way Pete Rose was from baseball for gambling on the game. Here to discuss it all with me is our very own, the Hollywood conservative, Amanda Head. Amanda, it's getting ridiculous. We saw De Niro a couple of weeks ago at the Tonys acting like a moron. Well, I expect that, right? He's in an echo chamber. He's at the Tony Award, arguably the most left-wing room on the planet outside of the Chinese Communist Politburo, whatever they call it, or Kim Jong-un's inner circle. That I expected. Then we have Peter Fonda, calling for violence against children. And now the NBA, uh, uh, or, or I should say sports, sportscasters, right? Uh, uh, calling for McHale to be Kevin McHale, of the, formerly of the uh, Boston Celtics, to be basically ostracized from baseball. Let me read you this, Amanda. Quote, if Kevin McHale actually showed up to Trump's rally in Duluth today, would everything that is happening now, and would Trump's done and stands for, yeah, he's canceled wrote sports talk radio host Henry Lake. One of my childhood idols, Kevin McHale, just kicked six-year-old me right in the guts. And I felt it 32 years later with interest, wrote a fan in a widely shared tweet adding, F you, Kevin. I mean, this is unhinged behavior, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, I mean, we, we've actually seen instances of this very recently, we saw it on social media with Jack Dorsey tweeting that he went to Chick-fil-A and right, he was right. to apologize. We are, we are at a point where if you, if you are not violently opposed to the Trump administration, and I talked about this in a video this week, you know, we blurred the lines between so much stuff and we, we've, um, we've gone so far to appease people and um, especially with like identity politics and such, we've gone so far that if you don't violently oppose this administration, then you are far right and you should be doxxed on the internet, removed from your job and your life should be destroyed. And by the way, Amanda, we don't even know if this was Kevin McHale at the rally or a guy who looks like him. We don't even know that yet. Nobody's been able to confirm it's him and the backlash is it just deafening. But you're right. They hate us. The left hates us. They're comparing ICE agents to Nazi SS and the Gestapo. They're comparing the Department of Homeland Security's headquarters to the Nazi HQ and holding facilities for people that came here illegally to concentration camps where people were exterminated. I mean, they, they won't stop. There is yeah, no end I mean to, their, to their unhingedness, if that's a word. The whole comparisons, I mean, again, the Nazi thing is like shorthand for Republican, right? Like that's of course, right. everything we do is something within the Nazi regime. It's something Goebbels or uh, Hitler would have done. That's but right. the, the ironic thing is, is it's like, you know, pick up a history book. If you think that it was Nazi policy to uh, detain illegal non-citizens uh, detain their children in a facility where they get three meals a day, a roof over their head, video games, healthcare, eye care, education. If you think that's Nazi policy. And by the way, Amanda, a, a, a right to counsel that the U.S. government pays for. Yeah. If you think that's Nazi policy, you're a freaking idiot. Oh, no, you're a moron. You're an absolute moron. And you got people like Nancy Pelosi out there saying after Trump gave them what they wanted, he signed an executive order reuniting the families that a deal was cut with the devil. Nancy Pelosi said, a deal was made or cut with the devil. They just want open borders. But, but I really want to talk about this, this movement in Hollywood to hate conservatives. I mean, De Niro at the Tony Awards got a standing ovation. Sports uh, uh, 
people in the, in the sports casting game are coming out, celebrating those, calling for Kevin McHale to be essentially kicked out of basketball as if he was working with bookies to rig games. And then you've got Peter Fonda calling for children to be terrorized and the son of the president to be raped by a pedophile. Peter Fonda didn't even lose his verification on Twitter. Nope. Look, Peter Fonda and Jane Fonda, brother and sister, the whole Fonda family, let this serve as a stern warning to anyone who thinks that their cousin is cute. This is the product of incest. This is the level of idiocy that you will achieve by procreating with a family member. Um, these, it, it's, they, they've gone insane. It's like Jane and Peter are trying to one up each other. Um, Jane Fonda, you would think that she would have learned from the seventies what it's like when you, yeah, when Hanoi you, Jane, right? Yeah. American rhetoric. Yeah. Hanoi Jane. Uh, but you know what, Peter, he's F list. He's not even D list. Like yeah. I would say we should boycott him, but I think he's pretty much unboycottable. And let me tell you what the biggest, what the biggest travesty is here. He totally ruined Easy Rider for me because at least Dennis Hopper remained cool. He destroyed a great movie. Yeah, but you know, here, here's the thing. On the left, you've got people, you know, like this, this Celtics player, uh, what's his McHale. name? Kevin McHale. McHale. Who, who the left is, is now demonizing, even though we don't know if it was him. And, you know, Jack Dorsey and, and all of these well, people. But Amanda, go back there. I want to go to check there. Now, now it's enough. The left is so unhinged. It's enough to just look like another guy. Maybe yeah. look like, maybe that's not even you. You just look like another guy who was at a Trump rally. And all of a sudden, you're going to be punished. Look, my dad, all along growing up, people said that he looked like a cross between Steve Spurrier and Donald Trump. And I'm a little worried for his life now. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. No, poor guy. Yeah, but but what I was saying is, you know, you look at the way that the left treats someone, you know, one of their own who maybe slips out of line. They step out of the box a little bit. Uh, they step away from the propaganda and they eat Chick-fil-A or they go to a Trump rally or they hold a normal interview with the president of the United States before he took office. Right. And that's what the left does to you. Can you imagine if people on the right started attacking you and I, John, if we went to uh, Starbucks or if they started attacking us for having an okay. iPhone? Exactly. Well, well, let me give you let me take it a step further, Amanda. Could you imagine if Peter Fonda said that about one of the Obama kids? Oh my gosh. Would I mean, Holly, would his movie, would Hollywood be releasing his movie? Would Sony be releasing his movie? Of course not. But, you know, it, it, it's sad, but I'm just, you know, I mean, and you are too. We're used to it. We're used to it. We're desensitized to it. Yeah. We're used to it. We expect it. But where does it end? Look, Twitter is proven now, conclusively, conclusively proven that there is a double standard. The fact that Henry Fonda didn't even lose three hours on Twitter, the fact that Henry Fonda still has a verified account, the fact that Twitter hasn't issued a public statement that they're looking into it and they've shut his account down, the bias is now conclusively proven in my opinion. Where does it end? Because conservatives aren't gonna migrate off Twitter. They're too invested. I admit it, I'd like to, I can't. It's a very effective platform for media and brand building for me, for you, for many in our business. But we're not going to migrate off Twitter. They've got us. They've got I think, us. I think the only way it ends, and I don't, I don't foresee this happening because I live in Hollywood, and unfortunately, I witness the cowardice of people within the entertainment industry and how how much they so tightly cling to their fame. Um, you know, you have a lot of celebrities out there who who spout off this this hate and this leftist propaganda, but you have a lot of celebrities who also keep quiet. Those are the ones, surprisingly enough who look at these far left hippie celebrities and they're thinking you people are maniacs, but they don't have the guts to say anything because they know that they will completely lose their hats within the industry. This will end when some of those people start growing balls. Well, that's exactly what it is, right? You need, you need more John Voights. You need more Vince Vaughn's. You need more uh, Adam, Adam Sandler's and his partner. I can't think of his partner's name right now. He's been in all of his movies. Alan, uh, you know what I'm talking about? He's, he's, a, he's a pretty unabashed. Republican, not an uber conservative, but a right-leaning Republican. Alan, I can't think of his name. James Woods and Kevin Sorbo. James Woods and, right, right. Point is, we need more of these people. James Woods is about the most outspoken. But, you know, here's the thing. John Voight, James Woods, Adam Sandler are Hollywood legends. They're very, very wealthy, very powerful guys in Hollywood. You can't do anything to them. Yeah. They're so good at what they do. 
They have such brands that their their politics, their brands are impervious to their politics. What about the next generation though? Because I would have thought Roseanne Barr fell into that category. Apparently she didn't. Yeah, and what's concerning is that there is no one really within my generation. Um, one of my dear friends who is on a really, really big show right now, he's from Oklahoma and he's a hardcore conservative, but he'll never say anything. So it's it's a generational thing for those people. They have obtained success. And like you said, they're untouchable within the industry because they are always going to be lucrative when it comes to box office sales. But you have people, you know, around my age in their 30s in the industry who, uh, you know, they've obtained success, but they're they're not quite at that level yet where they're untouchable. And I don't know if they will, you know, hopefully someday they'll start speaking out after they achieve that level of solidified success. But I mean, who knows? I mean, Hollywood just might end up being one of those those lost cultures here in America. And but and I, I say this. I feel like I say this on a weekly basis. I'm a broken record, but conservatives, we we really have to part have to start putting our wallet where our mouth is. Um, people, Ryan always make my boyfriend makes fun of me for my boycott list. I have a running boycott list in my phone, but I absolutely refuse to pay thirteen dollars a ticket to go see some people in the movie theaters. And I refuse to go see certain people in concert and I refuse to buy certain people's music on iTunes. And yeah, it's good music. I like it. I would like to have it in my iTunes library, but I'm not going to, to patronize those people. But you're, but you know what? You got to draw the line somewhere. I don't blame you. Got to draw yeah. the line somewhere. I mean, we, we are, we're constantly, if enough of us do it, you hit yeah. him in the wallet. But look, Roseanne lost her show. Peter Fonda gets his movie released. Her ratings are higher than his. She was making ABC Disney far more money than his little boutique film that 11 people will watch will ever make Sony. It's like Sony classics. Not even regular Sony pictures. So you got to stop watching the the alternate program. You got to not watch yeah. the the Roseanne spinoff. You got to. I mean, people have to start feeling more convicted about this stuff. And and yeah, it's inconvenient to have to read a book instead of see the movie that you've been wanting to see. But it's got a liberal a hole lefty celebrity in it. So right. put your gum wallet where your mouth is. Yeah. No, Amanda, I, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm glad you're out of that business and. <laughs> on this side of the world where you can at least spew your opinions. Amanda Head, fellow rebel, Hollywood conservative, my good friend, as always an absolute pleasure. Thank you.